Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. And I brought my iPad, which I very seldom ever do because I couldn't get it to print. Uh, so I'd have some paper, so I had to bring the, the iPad. I'm going to minister to you for just a few moments tonight uh, on something that you're beginning to hear a lot more of. We've been hearing about it for years, but now it's just practically captivated the media and social media. And it's about artificial intelligence. How many of you have heard anything about artificial intelligence now on television? It's everywhere. They're even having uh, people that are in the uh, uh, computer industry and uh, talk about uh, it's two-sided. The evils and the um, fear of artificial intelligence and then those that are all for it and those that are against it. Elon Musk was the first one I heard talk about it. Two evangelists asked him about it, and he said that it was more dangerous than nuclear warheads because... Uh, it was going to be void of any morality at all. And I asked the Lord about it, and so he gave me some uh, situations. I did a little study on it, uh, and I'd like to, to share it with you. Go to Matthew 24, verse 3 and 4. This is not a condemnation of artificial intelligence. This is information that you as a church member of the body of Christ need to know. Because, you know, when television first came out, the preachers were again at again it because it was a one-eyed monster, and they preached against it. Brother Summerall told me that he was a part of a ministerial group back in the 40s and 50s. Of course, television, I didn't see my first television set until 1953. It started in the late 40s, early 50s. So we didn't grow up with television. We grew up with radio. And uh, he said they were in a, a Bible conference. It was uh, the founder of Christ for the Nations, Gordon Lindsay. And it was Brother Sumrall and Sister Lindsay and different ones. And uh, he said, we used to have wonderful prayer meetings when we'd get together. But he said, all of a sudden, television was invented and uh, everybody, you know, cut their prayer short. And they went upstairs to watch the wrestling matches on television. <laughs> well, if you've ever watched a wrestling match, <laughs> you know it's not real. <laughs> it's all choreographed. And so... Uh, he said our prayer time got less and less, and uh, our television watching got more and more. And, of course, preachers preached against it because it was taking people out of the church and it was taking their concentration. And now uh, television has pretty well sapped our society of any intelligence whatsoever. We use the television set to babysit our kids. Uh, we use it to send our kids to the room and get them out of our hair and watch their TV programs. And there's nothing redeeming uh, on uh, television today uh, at all, except on VTM. I mean, you, <laughs> that's, that's redeeming. Anyway, read Matthew 24 with me, verse 3. This is the Olivet Discourse. Jesus said, As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? 
What shall be the sign of your coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Say this out loud. Take heed that no man deceive you. All together. Take heed that no man deceive you. All right, let's go over to Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. If you will meditate on that for a while and look up some references, you will find out that deception uh, was rampant even back in, quote, as we say, Bible days. And the leaders were always warning people uh, about deception. Colossians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 8. Rooted and built up in Him, be established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So Paul was warning the people, don't be deceived. Watch out for this deception. Now go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by our gathering together unto Him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Talking about the second coming. Let no man deceive you by any means. Say, by any means. So he says, I don't want you to be deceived by any means. Let's go over to First John 4 and read one more supporting scripture. First John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You have to really know the Scriptures and uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give you discerning of spirits even when you hear a prophet or prophetess. I have kept every prophecy that I've heard given by any minister since uh, 2020 uh, concerning, actually before that, 21 or 22, uh, excuse me, uh, 219, 2020, and 2021. I've kept all those prophecies in a little file uh, that I've heard, read, clipped out of magazines, heard on TV, and I keep them and I read them. I read them again just a few days ago. None of the prophecies that were given have come true. None of them have come to pass. They have all gone the way of who knows what. Now, you don't cast out the baby with the bath. You don't despise prophesying. But I've followed them. I've followed prophecies that said this was going to happen in this country and this leader was going to do such, and none of that has happened. Uh, all the things that were prophesied about America. Some of the things that were prophesied, one prophet, I guess you could call him, uh, said that uh, uh, the athletic fields uh, were going to be empty, uh, the Broadway musical shows on Broadway were going to go dark, and that there would never be any more uh, big, big athletic meetings or um, stuff like that on Hollywood, on Broadway. Well, they did go dark for a while because of the 
you know, the pandemic and the quarantine and the masks and not letting people uh, congregate in large crowds. And they did cancel some of the big ball games. But that was only a temporary Band-Aid stop. It, it's all gone back to more now than ever before. Broadway's reopened. The athletics stadiums are open. The ball games are going full blast. And I've just really been uh, interested in prophecy. This one guy I heard, I thought, man, he is really nailing it. None of the things that he said came to pass. It sounded good, but you have to stick with the word. They have a saying down in Texas that you stay with the one that brung you. You know, you, you stay with what brought you. And what brought you was the word of God and the, the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's define these terms. I always do this. I always like to define the terms. Artificial intelligence. One of the first things that stands out to me is artificial. Do you know what artificial is? I do the shopping and I go to the grocery store and I needed some vanilla extract. Well, if you look up there on the shelf, they have vanilla extract. They have real Madagascar vanilla, and then they have imitation vanilla. Guess which one's cheaper? The imitation. And you can tell it when you try to use it in a recipe. It doesn't taste as good. It's not as strong. So it, artificial, by definition, let, let me read this to you. Artificial means not real or unbelievable. Unbelievable or not real. And I put in parentheses, fantastic. <laughs> Have you ever used that word? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> uh, our son Ronnie had a girlfriend in high school. And he would always invite his girlfriends over to the house and introduce them to us. And this one girl, she was a nice, you know, nice-looking young high school girl. I've forgotten her name now, but she was always, when uh, introduced us to her and her to us, and she was always using the word fantastic, but she said it fantastic. Fantastic. Well, that was a, what would you call that? That was a kind of a false uh, uh, saying, the way she said. She didn't say fantastic. She said fantastic. Well, in the first place, that's phony. And I got to hearing it so much. Fantastic. That's fantastic. And I asked Ronnie about it. I said, what? Does she say that all the time? He said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> she didn't last long, you know. <laughs> the minute he came to us and he said, uh, you know, what's her name wants to know if she can go out on, uh, if she can smoke a cigarette in the living room. I said, no, she can't. I said, if she wants to smoke a cigarette, she'll have to go outside. So she went outside. Well, you know, we didn't, none of us smoked or anything like that, so uh, she didn't last long. But I looked up the word fantastic. It means not real. It means unbelievable. So if I were to say, my, this glass of water is fantastic, I would be saying, this glass of water ain't real. It's unbelievable. You can't believe in it because it's not real. It's not true. Well, artificial means not real. It's, um, <laughs> 
It's unbelievable. Okay, let's look at the word intelligence. This will help us even more. Um, intelligence is the ability to learn, to reason, to comprehend and apply knowledge. Let me say that again. Intelligence is the ability to learn, to reason, to comprehend and apply knowledge. Now let's put the two together. Artificial intelligence. Ability to learn, to reason, to comprehend and apply knowledge that's not real. That's unbelievable. Now, I, I didn't come unprepared. Let me read you all, and then you can, you can pull this up online just like I did. These are all of the categories referring to artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, technology, healthcare, computer science, projects, medicine, education, business, companies, articles, textbooks. Now, the writer of all this says, uh, what are the advantages of artificial intelligence? The general benefit of artificial intelligence, or AI, is that it replicates decisions and actions of humans without human shortcomings, such as fatigue, emotional, limited time, and morals. That's what artificial intelligence, that's, that's the advantage is no morality. It's uh, decisions and actions of humans without human shortcomings. Well, how did God make us? In His image and likeness. He made us spirit beings. Are you there? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, let me go over and read you something that I got from my friend Terry um, James down in Benton. You've seen him on Arkansas Live. He's an outstanding author, and he sends out this monthly blog. And it, it just happened to be about artificial intelligence. And he says, The One World Order, Georgian Guidestone. That edifice had listed on its surface the desire to bring the earth's population down to a sustainable 500 million people. Do you know what he's referring to, the Georgia Guidestone? You might have seen it, seen it on the news if you follow that kind of stuff. He does. You remember that stone that they uncovered? Actually, they imploded it and they dug it up and took some dozers and cranes to get it out. It was a, a stone edifice in Georgia, the state of Georgia, and it was built by people that were using it as a kind of a, oh, scientific uh, time capsule. And they put different things in it. And finally, they decided to open it up. It has hieroglyphics on the outside. It has different languages that are uh, not usable today and not readable today. Uh, <clears throat> and inside they found that one of the goals of the people that built it uh, was to uh, degenerate or take the population of the world. Now, the population of the world, what is it, seven, eight billion people now? 
in the world. They said a sustainable population of the world should be 500 million people. So they're suggesting, <laughs> they're suggesting that artificial intelligence could be used uh, to, how would I say, um, degenerate the population down to 500 million and that it would be uh, more sustainable. But which 500 million are they going to get rid of? <laughs> and I've read in history that, you know, a lot of the wars that we've had, world wars, were simply designed to eliminate population. Uh, they wanted to get rid of mostly the men. And uh, they got rid of the men through world wars. They were killed off. Um, it, it, it's pretty strange. Here's, here's the rest of it. The evidence continues to mount that the effort to eliminate human flesh from the population remains with us to this late hour. Science, which we are told we must trust, seems to be on the side of the continuation of the human species or does not be, seem to be on the side of the continuation. And he closes with this. In late March, human beings uh, at Goldman Sachs Equity Research took a deep dive into the implications of AI for the world and beyond. The magnum opus led readers through the evolution, uh, the evolution of AI. Their conclusion, AI, artificial intelligence, will lead to one-third of a billion layoffs at least. You won't need people. You think it's bad now. I was checking out through the grocery store the other day. I say the other day, several months ago, and the lady said, would you like to use uh, self-checkout? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I come and get in this line because I want service. I want you to bag my groceries. I don't want to bag them. I don't need the self-checkout. I want you to check it out. She said, thank you. I said, what for? She said, job security. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't, <laughs> you don't need checkers if you've got artificial intelligence, if everything is replacing human beings. Of course, we've heard this kind of stuff in sci-fi movies for years. If you had a billion layoffs, at least, in the U.S. and Europe, think of the mobilization of the service sector. The safety risks around AI are huge, and we think there's more than a 50-50 chance that AI will wipe out all humanity by the middle of the century. Woo! Now, we won't be here. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be enjoying the <laughs> judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be enjoying the marriage supper of the Lamb. But in the middle of the century, that's the middle of the 21st century. Are you all here? That's what, that would be what, 2050? Middle of the... the humanity would be gone. There would be no more 
flesh and blood people. There would be no more flesh and blood. There, there would be no more humans because they'd all been replaced by AI. You don't need humans because artificial intelligence would give you everything that you needed. Moving right along. <laughs> so uh, more and more uh, scientists involved in this burgeoning thing called artificial intelligence Intelligence are warning of the unknowns. And Congress is already crying out. And they're too late. I mean, they're just, it's, it's, you just want to slap them sometimes because they think, <laughs> oh, we're concerned about, concerned. You, you're not concerned about anything and you don't know how to fix anything. You don't know how to do anything. Did you hear, and I don't mean this critically or I don't want to hurt your feelings or offend you or whatever. Did you hear a uh, president the other day when they asked him, sir, people are concerned about your age. Uh, you're going to be 84 years old or 82 years old, whatever it is, uh, when you run for re-election. Uh, why should anybody want to vote for you? And he looked at that camera and said, because I have a hell of a lot of wisdom. Now, that's what he said. And I laughed and I said, you don't have any wisdom at all, or we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in right now. <laughs> we, we could take some artificial intelligence there. <laughs> that'd, be a, uh, that'd be a benefit. <laughs> he said, uh, artificial intelligence people are warning of the unknowns. When machine mills with man himself, we wonder if this attempt of those responsible for the future of AI have at the heart of its intent of making the global elite become as gods as promised by the serpent to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Whew, it, it can be scary if you don't know what I'm getting ready to teach you. So you won't be deceived. Now, you're going to have to listen to it on the media, social media, television. <laughs> you're going to have to listen to all of the goofy stuff that people say. But if you know what the Word says, you won't be deceived and you won't be ignorant. Okay, with that in mind, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the Apostle Paul says, by the Holy Ghost, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God doesn't want us ignorant. Brother Hagin used to play with this a little bit. He would, he'd, he'd sometimes talk to unmarried people that were looking for a mate, looking for a spouse, whether it was a man or a woman or whatever. He said, now, uh, be sure and pray uh, for God to give you the right mate because he said uh, it's okay for you women if you would reject uh, some man. Uh, just tell him that you read in the Bible uh, that you would not have ignorant brethren. <laughs> you know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God 
calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. An example, when, when Jesus prayed for the blind man and uh, he spit in his eye <clears throat> and said, do you, do you see, you know, see um, men as trees walking? Then he spit on the ground, made clay a spittle, and uh, you know, said, do you see, what do you see now? He said, I see all men clearly. Those were demonstrations of, and diversities uh, of the Spirit. I've seen evangelists that had very unique and extreme ways of praying for people. And uh, one of the particular <coughs> evangelists that I saw, and I was in the service, uh, he would slap people. And if you got prayed for, you got slapped. And uh, another one, he spit on people because he, he read this and took it, you know, as a personal application <laughs> of the Spirit of God. And uh, some of them got healed, some of them didn't, but they all got spit on. <laughs> and they got slapped. I was in a, a service with a friend of mine. You'd know him if I mentioned his name. And the anointing came on him one time, and uh, there were some people in the healing line, and he came through, and uh, he asked this one woman. She was just crying, boo-hooing, and he came up and said, and what's wrong with you? She said, my husband has beat me up 49 times. He said, well, the first time was his fault, and the other 48 were yours. Get don't stand there and be beat on. And uh, he, he, she started cry, crying, and he slapped her across the face. And she came to herself. She quit crying. So then she, he went to the guy next to her and said, what do you need? He said, nothing. <laughs> and turned around and walked off. <laughs> I had another evangelist friend that the Spirit of God came on him and told him to tell Every member, or not member, every person that came to his tent meeting the next day to go buy a bar of soap, and he was going to pray over the soap, the bar of soap. Now, these, these testimonies are bona fide, and they represent actual miracles, but these, you have to know, these were gifts of the Spirit. This is the gift of the word of knowledge, or the gift of the word of wisdom, or the gift of faith. And he said, you bring a bar of soap to, to the meeting tonight, and I'm going to pray over it and lay hands on the bar of soap. And then if you take it home and take a, a bath with the bar of soap, you'll be healed. Oh, my Lord. Soap sales went way up that week. Man, <laughs> people brought those bars of soap, and he prayed over them. And people took them home and washed with them and were healed. The next night, they came back. They had that same bar of soap. But he told them, he said, now, this was not something that, uh, that I'm going to do every night. This is not something that you can uh, do on your own. That was a gift of the Spirit. That was a one-time word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Now, the mistake that most evangelists and most people would make is that they would start selling bars of soap outside the tent. Hello? You know, we're going to have soap sales. And uh, <clears throat> Brother Shambach, I don't know if you're watching Brother Shambach on Friday nights on VTN, 
But he tells us the story of how in one of his tent meetings, um, this uh, little young man came and he was touched by the Spirit of God and, and he uh, was anointed with oil and he was healed and delivered. And so he uh, went out and bought a bottle of oil. Brother Schumbach said, bring a bottle of oil and I'll pray for it and anoint it. And so at the end of the service, he anointed him with oil and told him to take his bottle of oil and go pour it on people and heal people. So he took him seriously. He went and got his bottle of oil. He went to the first hospital he could find. And he went up on the traction floor. And people are, you know, all trussed up. And he started anointing people with oil and telling them that they were healed and they could go home. And they thought he was the doctor. And so they started disconnecting the cables and everything. And people started walking out with their casts. And many of them were healed. And they called the police and arrested this kid for practicing medicine without a license. And they put him in jail. And he came up before the judge. <laughs> and this kid told all of this stuff. And the judge said, son, what are you up here for? What have you been doing? And he told him. He said, I've just been praying for people. A bottle of oil. <laughs> Brother Schambach, evangelist Schambach, told me to do this. And people have been healed and they arrested me for practicing medicine without a license. And the judge pounded his gavel and said, case dismissed. Son, go buy another bottle of oil. <laughs> he acted on what he believed, but it, that wasn't some that, something that Brother Schembach did every night. It was what the Holy Spirit told him to do one night. Now, we're going to get further into this because this is the contrast from artificial intelligence to real, true, biblical intelligence. Okay, let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. Now this is not the gift of discernment. This is the gift of discerning of spirits. I know a lot of people think they have the gift of, of discernment, but it's really the gift of suspicion. And that's not what the Scripture is talking about. It's the gift of discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that the one and self-same Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills. Now, early in the charismatic movement back in the 70s, there was a teaching, uh, and it was alluding to the giving out of gifts. And we were in some of those services where if you wanted a particular gift, you'd come up and they would pray for you and they would give you a gift. You, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says the Holy Spirit divides the gifts severally as He wills. Did you see that? Okay. Uh, let's go over to John 14, and we'll see how Jesus set up the body of Christ, the church company, to receive uh, these gifts and to receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're talking about artificial intelligence. We're talking about real, true biblical intelligence. John 14 
And let's go to verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter, another comforter like himself, that he may abide with you forever. God's not going to take the Holy Spirit away from you. He's going to abide with you ever, forever. Say, the Holy Spirit Spirit. is going to abide with me forever. I've heard people say in meetings, and they were, I don't know whether they just were ignorant or whether they were trying to be humble or sound spiritual, that, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He already said he would not. He would not take the Holy Spirit from you. Now, if you grieve the Holy Spirit, if you get off into sin or uh, any kind of thing that grieves the Holy Spirit, that's different. But the Holy Spirit is not going to leave you. Okay, even... uh, the spirit of truth, verse 17, the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Say, the Holy Spirit is in me. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, let's go down to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Who's the teacher? The Holy Spirit. He is teaching you. Doesn't mean you don't need apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Doesn't mean you don't need the four uh, ministry, uh, five ministry gifts. It means that the Holy Spirit is going to teach you through them or through the Word. He will bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. If you have a remembrance of something in the Scriptures, or something that you've heard taught, that's the Holy Spirit bringing it back to your remembrance. That's why it's so important for us to raise our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and to get them in church services where they hear these things. The problem today is is that churches aren't teaching these things, but they need to hear these things because that's how they learn. And we always went to churches that had demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. I remember one revival uh, that we went to in a spirit-filled church, and the evangelist was just anointed, something awesome. And our son Ronnie was uh, sitting with us. And, of course, this evangelist always asked for people to stand if you want to come to the altar. Well, Ronnie, the Holy Spirit hit him. Bang. I don't know how old he was. He was probably 11, 12, 13 years old. Hit him, and he fell on the floor and rolled like a ball right up underneath the platform and just stuck there. That's the manifestation of the Spirit of God. That's the demonstration of the Spirit. And kids need to see that. They need to experience it. They need to hear about it. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit will bring it to their remembrance. And so when you sit around and talk about uh, how it was back in the day or in the old church or the church we were raised in. Those are good things. Those are good experiences. You're not, you're not going into nostalgia. You're going in remembrance of the things that the Holy Spirit has said and done. Jeannie and I uh, do this quite often. We look back on the years that we've spent in ministry. Uh, let's see, I was saved in 50. Um, I was saved in 72 we went in the ministry the next year in 73. This is 2023. We've been in the ministry 50 years. And we're thinking about the things that we experienced all along the way. 
in the churches we went to, my goodness, the things that we experienced, the supernatural power of God. And it wasn't artificial intelligence. It was true Bible intelligence. Hallelujah. Spirit of God would speak to you, speak to us and remind us of things. Bring to our remembrance what the Holy Spirit had said to us. Uh, okay, let's keep on going. Let's go to John 16 and verse 13 through 15. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Did you get that? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. Wow. He's going to reveal to you things past, present, and future. If you don't know what to do, don't wait until somebody comes along with artificial intelligence and is trying to replicate something. I mean, preachers are now using artificial intelligence to get sermons. It's not them. It's not the Holy Ghost. It's something that's been recorded. Computer module and, you know, typed out on your iPad or your computer. And sometimes I heard one testimony. This guy said, I, I was looking at myself, listening to my voice and looking at my face. And he said, it wasn't me. It was artificial intelligence. It was replacing me. It, it was made to sound and to look like me. Whew. How would you like to be married to somebody for 50 years and wake up one morning and find out it's a cyborg? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's probably going to be things like that happen or have happened. Uh, okay. Uh, let's go over to, uh, oh, I want to I divert right now and kind of go to uh, some personal testimonies of God's intelligence, uh, which is not artificial intelligence. It's the real thing. Now, remember, artificial is uh, not real, unbelievable, fantastic. <laughs> intelligence is the ability to learn to reason, to comprehend, and apply knowledge. Is it okay if I share a couple of these things with you? Yes. Uh, I think they'll help you, and we're, we're about done with our time anyway. Um, but I wanted to illustrate this, this to you. Real Bible, true intelligence. I want you to take from this to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Get to know the Holy Spirit to the point where you depend on Him to reveal to you any intelligence, any knowledge that you need. You don't have to go to the computer. You don't have to go to uh, social medias. You don't have to go to any of those things. The Holy Spirit is in you, and He will reveal these things to you. Jeannie could not find her car keys. She had looked everywhere. I'm sure everybody's gone through this sometime or another. She had been praying several hours, I guess, most of the day. Her car keys, she couldn't go anywhere because she didn't have the keys to the car. She didn't know where they were. I don't know where I was. I don't think I was even home. And so she began to just pray and ask God, where are my car keys? No answer. So she started praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. And every time she would finish praying in tongues, 
she would stop. Now, this took place over an hour or so. She would stop, and she would get ready to say, where are my car keys? No answer, so she would keep praying in tongues and keep praying in tongues. Three times she did this. The third time she got ready to say, she was thinking in her mind, she was going to say again, where are my car keys? But what came out instead was, they're in your robe pocket. (laughs) So she runs into the bedroom, runs into her closet, gets her robe, and there are the car keys in her robe pocket. Now, artificial intelligence wouldn't know that. But the real Bible intelligence did know it and told her. And here's the one that's amazing to me. Uh, We were traveling uh, as a family. We traveled as a family. We were down in um, Lake Charles, Louisiana. We had been booked into a church there. And uh, when we got there is when we found out that the pastor was on vacation. And he was staying in a cottage, a house, out on Lake Charles. Uh, One of his church members had let his family use their vacation house for their vacation on Lake Charles. So they told us, you go out to Lake Charles, and they gave us the address, and you'll find the pastor, his wife, and his three children at that lake house, and that's where you're going to be staying while you're ministering at the church. Well, there was three of us, and there was three of them, and little lake house with two bedrooms and one bath. Now, we'd stayed in some pretty rough places, but this was two families in about a 1,000 square feet, and we were going to be there for three days. So we went in. Pastor welcomed us told us that was our bedroom, and here's the bathroom. <laughs> you didn't, you need, need much of a tour to find out where everything was. <laughs> and so we enjoyed ourselves and enjoyed them for a while, and then Sunday morning came, and he told me, he said, now, he said, my wife and kids and I, we're going to go on to church, and said, and you and your wife and son, y'all just come whenever you're ready. I said, okay. So they went ahead. Well, I went out, we had our instruments and our whatever in the the van, our records and whatever, and I went out and I started up the van and uh, I pushed in the clutch to put it in reverse and the clutch just stayed on the floor. If you know anything about standard transmission, the clutch is spring-loaded. It's supposed to pop back up. You push in the clutch to stop the flywheel so you can put it in gear and then you let the clutch out, and the uh, van moves. Well, the spring broke on the clutch rod. I didn't know what had happened. Now, there was a ditch in the front yard of this house, and so I got uh, uh, under the driveway. So I got under the van. Now, I'm all dressed to go to church, so I had to go in there and take off my clothes and put on jeans. I got under there, and I saw the clutch rod is about the same size of this pin, and it had a 90-degree turn on each end going the opposite direction. 
And uh, there was a linkage right here, and that end had uh, broken off, and the, the spring wasn't working. So there was no way to get the car in gear. There's no, with no cell phones. The house is locked up, and he's already gone. Well, what are we going to do? How are we going to get to church? We're preaching there in about 30 minutes. So I get my toolbox out of the back of the van. I get underneath it, and I start, you know, hammering and bending and all kinds of stuff, trying to figure out what to do here. And Jeannie comes out, and she says, Honey, we need to pray. I said, I don't want to pray. You know what I'm talking about, Leonard? I wanted to push that van off into Lake Charles. <laughs> prayer? Forget prayer. I need to find out how to get this clutch rod working. So I said, okay, let's pray. So we go back into the house. We all join hands, and we're standing there praying, asking God for divine guidance, asking Him to help us. We prayed in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, I saw a picture. I saw the hood of the van raised up, and the hood on that model van was, the hood was probably only about that wide. It was long and narrow, and you raised the hood, and there was a rod that was fastened in that hood that you brought it up out of its clip position, and you stuck it in a little hole that was in the top of the hood, and it's what, what held the hood up. And so the Lord spoke to me when I had that <laughs> vision and what I saw. He said, take that rod out of the hood that holds the hood up and get back under the van and put it in the linkage of the clutch rod. It will work as your clutch rod. I got underneath there. And, of course, all I had to do was take it out of the hood. I just popped it out of its deal. There was a little spring on it, and I unplugged it and got underneath there. That rod that held up the hood was the same length as the clutch rod, same diameter, 90-degree turn on each end. And all I had to do, and I had a toolbox with all this kind of stuff in it, I had, all I had to do was get a little, little spring and insert it in there, put it back in the linkage, and there was a little dial, a little screw threads, whatever, around that adjusted the clutch rod linkage. And uh, I got up and pushed in the clutch, put it in gear, and off we went. Now, <clears throat> I thought, okay, when I get to Lafayette, Lafayette was our next meeting. We were in Lake Charles, and we were going to Lafayette. So when I get to Lafayette, I'm going to go by the Dodge dealership to the parts department and I'm going to get a clutch rod for a 1972 Dodge van. So I drive in there, pull up, go into the parts department and I asked the guy behind the counter, I said, I'd like a clutch rod for a 72 Dodge van. He said, certainly. He goes in, he gets the clutch rod, he brings it back, lays it on the counter. He said, that'll be a dollar and a half. I said, thank you very much. And I said, by the way, did you know <laughs> that the rod that holds up the hood on this van will fit as a clutch rod? He just looked at me and went, huh? <laughs> he didn't know. He was the parts manager. 
I doubt if the man that designed the band even knew it, but God knew it. That was a word of knowledge. That was, in, by definition, intelligence from God, the ability to learn, to reason, to comprehend, and apply knowledge. Are you all there? Now, you can't second-guess this, and you can't categorize it because it doesn't come the same way all the time. I tried to lay hands on our air-conditioned compressor in the back of our house one day because the air-conditioned compressor went out. And we're sitting in there, 80, 90, 100 degrees in the house, and I go outside, and I lay hands on it. Be healed in the name of Jesus, and it just didn't do nothing. I went in the house. I said, well, we need to act on this. Shut all the windows. Turn the thermostat on 72. And it got worse. So I went out and I said, okay, Lord, what's wrong here? He said, well, did I tell you to lay hands on the air conditioning unit? No. I'd already had an estimate. It's going to cost $300 to fix the thing. He said, call the repairman and tell him to come fix the compressor. I said, I don't have $300. He said, ah, <laughs> that's where you need to release your faith. Not for the air conditioning compressor. It's dead. It's worn out. You need to replace it. It'll take you, if not more faith, for you to believe me for the $300. Hello? So we did, and God did, and so forth. <clears throat> and the last one I'll share, I, I don't know, I may have shared it before. You may have heard me talk about it. Uh, in 2020, I was uh, uh, out in the backyard, <clears throat> and I had been praying about the pandemic and all that, and I was, was going down, actually going down to work in my garden, which was down a steep drop-off, probably about 30 feet. The, the angle is like this, probably a 30-foot drop-off. And I was going down the hill, and uh, all of a sudden, the shale, it was the loose rock, and it, it started sliding under my feet, and I knew I knew I couldn't get to the bottom of the hill without falling, and I didn't want to fall. And all of a sudden, I heard, sit down. Sit down. And I said, I don't want to sit down. I'll ruin my britches. So I said, I can outrun this. So I started running down the hill, and when I got just about to the fence around my garden. I couldn't run any faster, and I hit that fence. Wow! Hit with my head and my right shoulder and my rib cage, and I heard something crack. I thought it was the board. I thought I had, I said, oh, no, I have busted my fence. And, uh, and then I was coughing, and it knocked the wind out of me, and spitting up blood, so I pulled myself on the fence, and I hung over the fence, and I was spitting up blood, and I thought, what have I done to myself? So I climbed back up the hill. Jeannie and her sister Shirley were sitting on the back porch. They didn't see any of this, and I said, if y'all don't mind, uh, would y'all drive me to the emergency room? I need to find out what's happened here. I sat in the emergency room for four hours, never saw a doctor. I walked up and told them, I said, look, I've been out here four hours. I've been in pain in my side. I said, I'm going home. You people hadn't done me any good at all. So I went home. 
And in the middle of the night, I was hurting so bad, I called the 911, had an ambulance pick me up. That way, you can get right into the ER if you go in an ambulance. And so uh, they took me in there, x-rayed me, and said, oh, well, Mr. Caldwell, he said, the problem is you've got three broken ribs and a slight concussion. And so I, I went and got, you, you can't do anything about broken ribs. You, you can't set them, you can't wrap them, anything like that. So I just had to go home, and I couldn't lay in the bed. I couldn't lay flat, so I slept in my recliner for six weeks until those, until those ribs healed. And another doctor told me, he said, now, let me tell you what happened when you have a concussion. And so he told me a few things that I would experience, which I did. But God supernaturally healed me of everything. But I had this one question. Okay, Lord. Why did that happen to me? I'm not in sin. I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm not violating your word or anything. Why did that happen to me? The Holy Spirit is supposed to take care of me. The Holy Spirit and the angels of God are supposed to help me. And I quoted Psalm 91 about the angels at the end of Psalm 91 angels watch over you lest you dash your foot against the stone. I said, well, I dashed more than my foot against the stone, and I want to know why you didn't help me, why you didn't do something. He said, I did. I said, well, what do you mean you did? He said, your angel told you to sit down. I said, was that who that was? He said, yep. He said, it was your angel. He told you to sit down, and you refused to do it. And then I had to deal with Proverbs, <laughs> pride goeth before a fall. <laughs> and I said, okay, uh, where, did I, where did I miss it there? He said, because you thought you knew more than I did. That's pride. You thought, pride means to think more highly of yourself than you should. You're supposed to think soberly of yourself, but not more highly. So I learned a great lesson there, uh, and I don't walk down that hill anymore. I, I, I get on my four-wheeler and drive around. <laughs> you know, uh, <clears throat> not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer, but uh, I'm smarter than I look. I, I don't do that anymore. I learned, but it was the real Bible intelligence that was trying to prevent that. And he will do that every time. He'll tell you where to go, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. Don't do that. Well, don't do it. Do this. Well, go ahead and do it. Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit to help you. I've given uh, your angels there to catch you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Amen. Has this helped anybody? Yes. So you won't be afraid of artificial intelligence anymore. You're just going to depend on the real thing. Amen. Let's everybody stand. Let me pray over you tonight. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher, the counselor, the comforter. You, you distribute and develop the gifts severally as you will. So I'm asking you right now from this moment forward to reveal yourself to this body of believers, every person individually, and to speak to them, teach them, Show them what to do, what not to do, and show them the real, true 
uh, biblical intelligence and don't let them be deceived by anything. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You know, I didn't read this, but over in Peter it talks about uh, how do you test the spirits? How do you know if it's the Spirit of God or not? And it says any spirit that's confessed that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's not just talking about, because I've, I've heard people demon-possessed, they can't say Jesus is Lord. They can't confess Jesus is Lord because the Bible says only by the Holy Spirit can a man say that Jesus is the Lord. But what happens is they get deluded and they get deceived. And so you can test these spirits that are talking out in the atmosphere. Are they born again? Do they know the Lord Jesus? Uh, is the Holy Spirit a part of what's going on? And the inward witness. My goodness, I taught a whole series on how God speaks to you. The inward witness is the primary way he talks to his kids. And you have to learn to listen to that voice because you don't want to be externally minded. You don't want to go by, you know, oh, that cloud looked like Jesus or that, you know, was a sign from heaven. No, you want to learn to live and walk by the Spirit of God. Amen? Turn and tell somebody, I'm glad you came to church tonight. <laughs>